humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. We're your hosts, Lauren and Adam. We dive headfirst into conversations breaking down things like religion and purity culture, sex, spirituality, and the world around us. Although we now consider ourselves to be somewhere between agnosticism and mystical atheism, we often speak from our experiences from our time spent in the Christian music industry and religious upbringing. We bring on a variety of guests to hear their story and help demystify topics that we were once taught to fear or ignore, expanding the lenses through which we see the world. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Kevin Garcia, a digital pastor, spiritual coach, author, and speaker. Woo-woo, vibey-ass bitch. (laughs) Passionate about (laughs) helping people create spiritual practices to heal from spiritual trauma and crafting miraculous lives. Ex-evangelical, queer, and expansive spiritualist. Sometimes Christian, often a witch. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, fam. It's so good to be back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we love love our VBS bitches on this podcast. That's true. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Uh, So first of all, um, I know we got our like kind of our small talk out of the way. And uh, of course, may include bits of that. But I just wanted to ask you right off the bat, what is... You know, it's in your bio. What is a digital pastor? What is that? What do you do? Yeah. Um, so a digital, I guess like it's someone else started calling me that. Um, uh, and so that's where the kind of the moniker came from was uh, because I find myself working in digital spaces to create um, content and programming and uh, connection for folks um, who otherwise don't have pastor or a spiritual or like someone like someone in their life to say hey god loves you no matter what yeah like and so i find that my work has been on the internet since i came out that's how i was able to come out of the closet was because of twitter because i found other queer christians on the internet um and that before i was even out to myself really i was following these voices and these people who called themselves queer christians and i'm like all right well how do i do that is it even possible Um, and lo and behold, it it quite is. And so as I was pursuing what I felt to be, you know, a call to ministry, I started calling myself a digital pastor. And then I just like, oh yeah, like it just towards the end of my seminary journey, I was like, oh yeah, like I'm already doing this. Yeah. I'm already creating the the content and the space and I'm already preaching the sermons. Um, so I, I would realize I don't need to like pursue a job in a traditional parish or like a brick and mortar church. Right. Um, because uh, a, I, I go to a, a brick and mortar church here in Atlanta. Um, and B, I can do more, I can do more good quote unquote, or I can like impact more people or however you want to say it. I can, I can get the word out more through the internet than I ever could if I was trying to pull people into a Sunday morning experience. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so, and so like, I'm, I'm trying to get people to experience the holy in every moment of their life. And, my hope is that my work helps people um, 
remove their blocks to the awareness of love's presence. Yeah. And that's kind of the crux of my work is like, if you can become aware of love and peace and, and that it is your own, yep, it's available to you at all times. Your life can go a lot more in, like it can be a lot happier if you want it to be. Yeah. I love that you like, even in your bio, it says sometimes Christian, often a witch. Um, and then that's, that's pretty like obvious in your, in the work that you do. You know, if you go to your Instagram account, it's so nice because I can feel that you're a spiritual person and you're a very open and loving person. But then sometimes you talk about, you use kind of Christian terms or you'll talk about Jesus and Mm -hmm. sometimes in ways that are inflammatory. And I love that. Um, and I just think it's, I, yeah, I think that everything that you, everything that you say that you are, I feel like you truly embody those things. Um, and I, I know that you recently were talking about um, your coming out story and how that was six years ago. And um, mm-hmm. when when you did come out, was that your uh, just your sexuality or gender identity mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. When I first came out six years ago, I identified as a gay man, mm. a gay cisgender man, because that's what I thought that I was at the time. Mm. Um and I mean, like throughout my life, like I had never really like known what it was to be a man anyways. Um, in college, I was in a fraternity. Um, and ironically in that fraternity, I learned that there was no wrong way to be a guy. So like my femininity, like I became really comfortable with being a feminine dude, uh, around other men. Wow. Um, before I, I learned that from a fraternity, not from the church. Wow. That's like, it was, I'm telling you, exception to the rule in every single way. Yeah. Um, and like, I even got to see a lot of these guys at a wedding a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, my brothers who I hadn't seen in 10 years before I really come out and like to my full self, cause over the course of the past six years, I, I recognize I'm like, ah, like, okay, well, yeah, sometimes I'm a dude. But sometimes I'm a lady, you know, like yeah. sometimes I sometimes I want to wear a lip and a dress and sometimes I want to wear a backwards hat and work out shorts and like go to CrossFit, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> not, not that not that women don't do CrossFit or non-binary folks don't do CrossFit, but uh, it took a while for me to find the language that really helped me. I think like when I first came out, um, they them pronouns were still like coming in vogue for non-binary folks Mm -hmm. but once they really started to like i feel like it was like maybe a couple years after i came out like it was really they then became mainstream for a lot of non-binary folks and i'm like that right there that makes sense to me yeah delicious in between yeah and um did you have a support system then like whenever you did come out or has that kind of built up over time um, when I first came out, I did have the workings of a support system. And that was important to me because, well, A, I came out to my family first. Like someone said, hey, like maybe before you put this on the internet, you should call the people who are going to have the most to say if you don't tell them first to kind of just like save a headache. Right. So I was doing like the call around to my mom and my dad and my aunts and my uncles and texting my cousins and whatnot. Um, and they were all fine and supportive, but initially, um, my family was as supportive as they could be, but like, I didn't have any 
uh, church community support. Like I was working for a missions organization when I came out and they froze me out. Like I had, I had interned for them for six months and by interned, I mean, I paid to work for them. Tell me how that works. It's called exploitation, you guys. Wow. And I, and I didn't even see the red flags there. I'm just like, no, this is service. This is for God. (laughs) It's your tithe, right? You're paying your tithe in so that you can be a part of the mission. Yeah, exactly. I'm paying them to live in a house with nine other guys, with one bathroom and two bedrooms. Oh God! You do the math. <laughs> I, I, I shared like a not even a ten by ten bedroom with three other fully grown ass men. Well, at least and you were in the bathroom. bedroom with uh, five people. Right? Yeah, you know what we <laughs> we give thanks. Well, actually, uh, our quote unquote house dad got his own room in his own bathroom, oh. and I'm like. And his housing was free. And I'm like, are you? This is no. Um, But anyway, yeah. So when I came out there, I had no support from my church community. Um, And I moved to Atlanta. I was living in a shitty basement apartment because I literally had nowhere else to land. Like I almost had to move home. But I said, if I move home, that is going to be the death of me. I would rather eat ramen. Right. Um, You know, I'd rather eat ramen and drink box wine for three months until I figure this out. Yeah. Um, well, haven't and, we all uh, had those seasons, you know, box, yes. box wine and ramen? Yeah, I still drink box wine, but that's because I'm trash. It's <laughs> um, but I think that that time um, is when I started to grow my network of support. I started, I was really lucky because my best friend in the world, Miles Markham, um, was living in Atlanta and Miles was super connected, introduced me to all my new friends. And I really had this amazing queer spiritual community from the jump. So I never had to, a lot of queer uh, Christians, when they come out and they're like getting integrated into queer community, sometimes feel like they can't bring their faith with them because mm-hmm. it's triggering for other people. And so they feel this like, a, like, you know, I'm not good enough for the Christians. I'm not good enough for the gay community. I don't know where I fit. I never had that experience because mine was always integrated. Mine was always like, you can always be both because you are. So when you, um, you found the, the, the Twitter accounts and when you found other queer Christians, was there, was it immediate for you to want to say, yes, that's me? Or was there like a journey for you to kind of explore that on your own privately before, you know, becoming yeah. said digital pastor? Yeah. um, I started engaging with those voices when I was still a missionary. I mean, like I was already like hot on the thing of feminism and like, you know, women being equal within the church. So I knew that apologetic really well. Um, But it really was like, I started just DMing these Christians and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I, I know that I'm queer and I'm still struggling to come out. And I just started like asking them like, how did you do it? And people just started sharing with me, like their stories, like, and they just told me this, told me something I already knew that it was not a Bible verse that convinced them. It wasn't some pastor on the stage that convinced them for them. It was a conviction of their heart that said, this is not only okay, but this is good. And not only is this good, but this is very good. And they like all these different people just like held space for me until I was able to, you know, Couple, it was like I didn't come out immediately in that summertime. I waited till September, um, when I was a little bit more established and had more support. Um, and it really was like those Twitter friends and those real like and those real life friends uh, in Atlanta 
like so many people paved the way for me and yeah. so many people just like gave me the the privilege of going second you know um, it's it's really too bad that there's such a stigma around intimacy being vacant online and that in person community oh. is is the only place you can find true intimacy because i feel like at least online in a way there's an opportunity to be more vulnerable with people that you don't even know because there's at least that there's that go between there's a screen mm-hmm. it's not another person but i feel yeah. like I feel like people really miss out on realizing that those can be some of the most those can be some of the most intimate conversations that you have. They're they're private, they're hidden, they're but they're but they're also people who are inspired to get into those conversations and the DMs find it through p- the public eye of being able to see mm-hmm. a tweet, see a community that's coming together and finding their voice and finding bravery. And and I yeah. think that's so beautiful that you have chosen online spaces mm-hmm. to be a place where you mm-hmm. commit to bringing vulnerability because it, yeah. first of all, it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to get to because there's so many people that have such a stigma about it. Mm-hmm. I, um, I love the conversation about around digital community versus IRL community. Um, cause the, what the science tells us. So like my, um, my master's is in practical theology and my, major focus was actually on digital ministry, quote unquote, digital ministry. And, you know, when I was a part, I was at a Christian seminary. So I was constantly asking how can churches utilize these quote unquote third spaces online as a way to actually help people. I didn't even say reach people, but help people. Um, And what the data actually shows us um, is a really great book by Nancy Baum um, about the phenomenon of technology over the past and communication over the past 10 years. And what the data shows us is that people uh, rank communication between in-person, video chat, text message, and like, you know, like instant messenger, all of these interactions, they rank them at the same level. Like it makes no difference to them whether they are video chatting with someone um, because the level of communication is still the same. Like time and space have now been collapsed. Like you, where are y'all right now in the world? You're in Nashville in the central time zone. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. And yet we're in the same room talking. Yeah. You know? Right. And so, and then later on, this conversation is going to be put on a podcast. So therefore, people don't have to be in this room to hear this conversation. Time is no longer a barrier. Right. And what I love about my, some of my favorite things is that people said, yeah, I I started reading your blog ages ago. And I'm like, my blog? (laughs) (laughs) Like I had my, um... You know the singer Joy Oladakun, by chance? Mm-mm. No. Oh, get into her work. She is everything. She just did a song with Brandy Carlisle. So. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, but she told me, she's like, yeah, it was your early, like, you know, your videos from years ago when you were just unpacking the Bible that helped me come to terms with myself. And I'm like, those videos are so shitty. Like, <laughs> the, the like content a totally is different good. person, right? Yes. I'm over here trying to be like a Christ- gay Christian apologetics person over right. here like, and now i'm over here i'm just like yeah burn your bibles if you want to i don't care yeah right right um but it really like what's so interesting like going back to the, the the data stuff is if we take that if we take this seriously like if we look at those things and say people don't really i mean of course like in person has some sort of delicious magic and i do think it's important to have irl community and at the same time online community should never be thought of as discount community or, yeah. uh, or less than something. Cause like 
my best friends in the universe are people who I met on Twitter. Matthias Roberts, yes. still my best friend. We met on Twitter. Um, Miles Markham, met on Instagram. Um, like, you know, a bunch of people who I've done work with, we've all met through social media. Right. And these are the people who I, like, for example, Josh Link from Dirty Rotten Church Kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I FaceTime him at least three times a week Aww. just to shoot the shit. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, and we're all spending Thanksgiving together. So oh, I'm like, don't so know. sweet. So I don't mean, tell me that this shit ain't real because, like, for me, if I didn't have this, I would never have come out. I mm. couldn't, like, like, if this shit did not exist, like, if someone didn't go out there on the internet to, like, give, like, I remember, like, when the liturgist did that LGBTQ episode ages ago, yeah. like, that little right. bit of community that I found there at the time start, like, was, again, another step in my process of coming out, yeah. of accepting myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, time, like, I, I love the digital arena, um, for so many reasons. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of shit. It's a lot of horrifying things. Um, and it also does not um, intimidate me. Yeah. Right. I'm not intimidated by other people's... Uh, this is going to sound so Christian. I'm not intimidated by other people's brokenness. <laughs> yeah. And that's really yeah. the thing. Like, I'm not intimidated by other people being an asshole out there. They're acting yes. like an asshole because they don't know they could be better. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. Totally. That being said, I think I, one of the things that I was thinking about today was and I was going to ask you what you thought. Um, mm. If Jesus were alive today, do you think that he would? He be- would have an OnlyFans. Absolutely. He would have a he would have a foot fetish OnlyFans for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. god. Show me your side wound, Jesus. Oh my god. <laughs> that does it for I'm, me. I am so sorry. Uh, anyways, you were saying. No, I mean basically that though. I mean, I was gonna ask. Do you think he would be some type of like social media influencer, author, or do you think he'd be someone who like didn't even have social media? Hmm. Um. Well, y- you know, I I certainly don't think that Jesus would balk at social media, right? Um. But I'm also I'm also like thinking like Jesus would probably have been a fringe person that people didn't take quite seriously at first until unless like, you know, like the full blown miracles were happening and then people might start paying attention. Can you imagine Instagram TV with miracles happening? (laughs) Oh, like think about all like the, cause that's the thing. Like, you know, if I'm thinking about, cause like, what if, what if that did happen? Like if it were me, I'm just like, Jesus, that's just a really good way to, to, get the message out there. And if, if I were Jesus, I'm just like, I want as many people to know that they're loved as possible. And I'm going to do it by any means necessary. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'm also like, you know, there, like I read about people like, um, uh, Neem Karoli Baba, who's also called Maharaji, who is Ram Dass's mm. teacher and guru, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus might be off in the mountains somewhere, right. just being a hippie and feeding people who came through, and maybe just enjoying his life and maybe people will show up. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if he was on social media, he probably would only have 12 followers. Everybody would just think everything was a deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That just hit me. <laughs> that joke. That joke. Oh, very good. Very good. Oh, that was good. Oh, oh, thank you. Wow. Thank you. It takes a second, Adam, folks, I, 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 I was like, there. wow. I literally was over here just staring at him. I'm like, get it? 
get it. <laughs> Don't worry, yeah, it clicked I'm eventually. Sure. It's just the dad jokes usually come from my end. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Like I live for, I live for a dad joke. That was just so perfectly. It's all about timing, baby. That was so good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Oh, oh my gosh. God. Well, yeah. Who, who, who really knows? I mean, about Jesus. But we're on social media and we're doing the thing and like your mm-hmm. digital pastoring and all the things that like you you work on and the things that you've like the messages that you've been putting out there and you did a live today. There were tears yeah. shed on that live today. Oof. So, so listen, like, is that, was that I know just like everything like today has just been a great day for you. Yeah. I've been <laughs> loving it. Do you feel mm. like there's any day that like, do you wake up some days and go, I don't want to have any of these conversations. I just want to live my own damn life. Um, or do you want to have these uh, conversations uh, every day? I mean, more, I'll say this more often than not, I want to have these conversations. Like it's, I used to kind of be embarrassed that this was what I was most interested in, but I'm no longer embarrassed anymore about it because when I think about how lovely and free I feel, I, I, I want to help other people experience that same thing for me there doesn't feel like a higher calling or purpose. Yeah. Um, and I know that when I do these things, I honestly feel my best. And um, I know that if I ever have an opportunity to have these conversations and I don't have an, a good attitude, I have to check myself. I'm like, all right, uh, where are you right now? Yeah. yeah. You know, are you somewhere else? Are you telling yourself a story about uh, what's going on or are you here? Yeah. Um. I mean, of course, like everybody, like if I'm tired, but like if I'm tired and I can't have a conversation nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to reschedule and just say, Hey, I got, I can't, uh, my energy is really, really low and I don't want to yeah. give you a shitty whatever. So like right. if, if I'm ever like not in a good place to communicate, I don't, Yeah, I straight, I have straight up like canceled whole days if I have to, mm. in order to like get back to center. Not unless, like, you know, like, if I have, like, a responsibility to upkeep, obviously I'm going to keep that. But by and large, um, I think that my rest and resting when I am actually tired is the most powerful thing I've done for myself. Giving myself permission to be tired. What a fucking concept. I know. Yeah. And then from, and then from that, I think, like, my rest, my practice of resting myself and allowing myself that space gives me more juice to have these conversations more often. Cause like it's heavy, yeah. but it's also delicious for me. I mean, honestly, and, when we go back to the, the reason we started in the first place, it wasn't, it wasn't to put a podcast out into the world. The world didn't need another podcast. It was because mm-hmm. it was like a shout to the void. It was a, this is how mm-hmm. we're feeling and we don't see a lot of people around us doing it. So we can either go seek it out and we, and we did, but like mm-hmm. also it was cathartic for us to be able to just sit yes. down and talk to people. And, and this was our rest. This was our rest mm-hmm. from racking our brains constantly and trying to like seek out all of these answers and find, and find theoretical ideas about what, how Jesus existed or if the Bible's true or, you know, all of these millions of different things that we were constantly trying to just logic our way around. And this was, mm-hmm. this was community. This was yes. an opportunity to sit down, set aside an hour, meditate in conversation with somebody and just like, mm-hmm. and just be and, and, and experience one another. 
And that is the whole thing, isn't it? Like when I think that, that for me, you hit the nail on the head is like, I want to be like, I mean, for me, like, God, this is going to sound very Christian. It does sound like church, don't it? Or <laughs> what church could be. Yeah. Um, um, not that I think anyone needs to have a church, but like, you know, I think it's very funny. We, we grew up hearing the church is not a building, it's the people. And so we're out here having church on this podcast and like people say, mm, you, didn't, you didn't talk about Jesus enough or you didn't, you didn't praise God enough or you didn't pray enough. And it's like, mm, well, uh, okay, bye. Yeah, <laughs> well, That's why we, we but, switched our uh, podcast upload days to Sunday, actually, um, for this season because... To be more worshipful. Come <laughs> exactly. On. Come on. Exactly. But actually, a lot Everybody of our... Knows the Lord rested on Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a lot of our listeners are, you know, have either they're not a part of their church anymore and they're used to having something on Sunday where they, you know, listen to something and then have conversation, whatever. And so mm-hmm. we just got a lot of feedback that people like wanted that sense of community slash church mm-hmm. feeling and or listening. I don't, I don't, I don't know, yeah. but we listen to them and now this season is uploads are on Sunday and I just think. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think another, um, I think it was Nikki. I think she first coined Heathen Sunday. Um, I can't can't remember. Is it, do you know if Nikki kind of coined that? Oh, no clue, but I love it. I love this idea. Well, I I think I saw it somewhere and I, I literally have hung on to it ever since. And Heathen Sunday, I realized that I do a lot of like, like self-care or uh, spiritual practices, I just happen to do them on Sunday because it actually is my day of rest. And Mm -hmm. out of that comes these worshipful spiritual practices, whether it's tarot or whether it's like I I dance or it's something Mm -hmm. usually pretty embodied I do on Sundays. Um, and it's totally by accident. And then I realized I'm like, oh yeah, it's Heathen Sunday. That's why. Mm-hmm. And that's like How, finding finding that rhythm that like that regular rhythm is, I think again, like you know, it's it's natural to our. I think it's natural to the body mm-hmm. in many ways. Um, I've been reading a lot about um, the Jewish practice of Shabbat and like mm. why it is so like why it's so important is like for, you know, it's a, it's a divestment from capitalism and it's yeah. a divestment from like, you know, uh, this person I'm reading, uh, it's called wild mercy by Mirabai star. And she talks about it in a way where it's like, we're like, she says that we're welcoming the Shekinah, which is like the divine feminine mm. back from where ever they are to come in and hold us. And like, the reason we do this, like the reason we, build a meal together. The reason like we stay off of like, we try not to do any work is because our, like that is what the world has demanded of us and looks what it's done for us. Yeah. And so like somewhere in the ancient intelligences of God, God was like, y'all need a whole ass day to calm down. Yeah. Because otherwise you're going to work yourself into the ground unless I tell you to stop. Yeah. Unless like, unless we, physically stop ourselves we would go on forever yeah because what's more fun than getting all of those like you know endorphins from accomplishing things right the instant gratification and things like that for sure yeah 
So I, I think like the fact that you have those practices is so beautiful. And I'm hoping that what we like as a movement, you want to call it a movement, we'll call it a movement. I think that I hope that as this movement grows and as our faiths, I don't know, I don't want to say formalized, but I really am interested in mm. what people's practices are yeah. and what like, not just individual practices, but I'm really, really interested in trying to figure out what our community practices are going to be. Yeah. What do we still hold as important? Mm. I was talking with a friend of mine. I'm just like, we are a part of a Baptist church for Alliance of Baptists. So like our roots are in abolition, not racism, yeah. thankfully. Um, <laughs> Thank God. But we, uh, we haven't had a, we haven't done baptism in, I mean, over two years because of COVID, which makes sense. But like, we haven't even talked about it or even like acknowledge like this, like, do we do this mm. as a community? Right. You know, like, you know, cause like we don't ever tell anybody, like if you want to become a part of the church. Yeah. But like, as far as like becoming a Christian, quote unquote, like, it's just like, uh, do we do that as a community? Right. That's something that as a bunch of queer <laughs> mystics who, you know, are very social justice driven and oriented, like, does that ritual still hold weight for us? Right. And for me, I'm like, personally, I want to do an unbaptism for a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like, let me wash off the bullshit that they put on me. Yeah, honestly. But yeah. hey, maybe that still takes water. But yeah. yeah. I it's, it's all, it's like I have, so yeah, community ritual and community practice is something I'm so curious to see how it evolves. Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting thought. I, I feel like, I feel like it will somewhat always revolve around food. Mm, I do. As it should. I, I, yeah, I just think that because I'm trying to think of even like what brings me and my friends closer to, and what makes me mm. feel that like that holy feeling where it's I'm just so much in the present, and then I just like look at my people, and I'm just like so happy. And mm. you know, usually we're either we're either dancing somehow somewhere, and, or we're eating food. Like yeah. it's usually how it goes. So I. And I think, I mean, the early church, of course, like that's what they did. They broke bread and, you know, mm. they fed the hungry. And I, I just, I feel like, and, and maybe that's just my, that's just my opinion. I just think it's, we're going to revolve around food and like actually hanging mm-hmm. out. Like the churches that are still in place now, I feel like the, the, the lunches that they get after that's going to start becoming church. That's the actual church. And that's actually yes. church. Well, I feel like those are the moments where, rest actually is just rest because right. so often and i just read this something somewhere recently that somehow we've fallen into this trap of um rest as growth rest as oh, reflection true. rest as yeah. progress uh mm-hmm. rather than like just being stagnant and just being in place and just allowing yourself to just rest and i think in a way we we need something to distract us from mm-hmm. the idea of this self-improvement identity of mm. of right. rest. self-growth and development yeah yeah you know the reason I take a nap? It's because I'm I'm tired and it feels good. Yeah. Like that's the, like the bottom line for me is like I sleep because when I sleep I feel better. Yeah. And that to me is the bottom line, not so I can like get up and do more stuff. Like if anything, like I'm continuously trying to do less with my life. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, because like I'm I'm I mean one of my practices that I've been keeping. Um, when I say practices, one of the things I've been doing for a week now. Yes. That I want to that continue as a practice. practice. I received that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to talk down to myself. Um, I've been, uh, I found a lovely app 
from Thich Nhat Hanh's Plum Village. It's called the Plum Village app. It's free, and it's got what uh, a, uh, a mindfulness spell part of it. So, like, I can set it to where a small little like singing bowl will play at the top of the hour, mm-hmm. and then I stop and I meditate for five minutes. Aww. Every and so I've been doing that pretty much on the hour uh, from like nine to five uh, for the past week. Wow. So like, I guess, so I guess like a total of three days now, but yeah. when I tell you the way that my attitude and energy has shifted from like, I mean, and this is like something that like a course in miracles suggested is that at the top of every hour, give yourself five minutes. I'm like, all right, let me try it. Let me see what happens. And boy, howdy. Mm. It's so good. Mm. What has like, like been I, the thing that like, like is so good for you? Is it that you feel like, more like energized after or you feel more like calm or you like what is the thing that you really were looking to get from it or did you not have intentions you just wanted to try it i mean for me the goal of any spiritual practice is always just peace yeah like i i think coming back to my center it just i i feel it's like i'm you know beating the drum of this i'm like the reason i do meditation same reason i nap. it feels good yeah and I do meditation because of the feeling that it gives me. I feel like some people are just like, mm, I want to transcend it. I'm like, no, I want to feel good in my body right now. Yeah. That's yeah. why I do it. And so when I'm doing those things, I'm usually um, meditating on whatever lesson from A Course in Miracles mm. uh, is for that day. And so yeah. today was, I rest in God. Yeah. What, what a lovely concept to like every single hour on the hour remind myself. Do I feel, and my mood has been incredibly improved. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I, it's like all of the worries that I usually have or like all the ways that the day stresses me out. Like I just reset yeah. every hour. It's why, I mean, I, I'm always just so drawn towards how you approach spirituality. Um, and I think mm. I, we even talked about, at the beginning of the podcast, like last time, the last episode that we did together where I was like, yeah, I feel like we have a lot in common. And I think it's just, it's, it's kind of hard to find other people who approach spirituality in that, the, the term that you used, which is like, does this make me feel good? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know why that's so complicated for people to understand. Like, I, I don't I know it's... why that that is so hard when I, cause I, I say the same thing. I don't like, I chase, I chase my joy and I chase pleasure. Like that's like what mm-hmm. I do. I just don't, I don't know why it's, it feels, I've taught myself to not feel weird about it, but like it, mm-hmm. at first it feels weird to be like, no, I'm just, I just chase what feels good. Cause that's just what you're told not to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's exactly. why. So really you do understand perfectly clear. Cause you used to be that person, right? Yeah. It's like, we all understand really clearly why it's so hard for people to latch onto it because the way that Western Christianity, Western capitalism, white supremacy, etc., it prizes um, it prizes something totally antithetical to the human experience. Mm. Um, it, it, it is like you know, be straight, get a job, get married, have babies, send those babies to school, and then eventually they're going to end up in you know as wage slaves to the man, like everybody else. Right. Um, we weren't, and also we were taught that, uh, pleasure is a bad, like, I don't know why pleasure became a four letter word. 
Mm. Like it became this thing associated with like an overindulgence and, and with like being sexually lewd or loose. Um, all of like these different things that are just bullshit. Right. And, mm. and we just like, you know, the reason my parent, my mom still believes the way she does is because that's how they've always believed. Right. And I think like the thing that sets us free and like, like you said, like being able to say, uh, what my, I ha- kind of have like four questions that I work with when I'm investigating somebody's beliefs about something and I borrow them from, uh, the work by Byron Katie. Mm. And the questions are this. So like, I guess like today, for example, like, you know, reason that people do what they do right now, conservative Christians specifically, I would say the biggest reason is a fear of hell. Yeah. You know, I'm going like, you know, because God said, if I don't do X, I'm not going to get into heaven. So I better do X to get into heaven. And so like, I just ask people, I'm just like, so do you know that that's true? Like, do you, like, can you right. absolutely know for certain that if you don't believe in Jesus, God's going to send you to hell? Or if you don't do the right thing, God's going to send you to hell. And I ask like, how do you know? Like, not even how do you know, but can you know if it's true? Yes or no. And then I, and if they say yes both times, that really doesn't matter to me. I'm just like, let's get the ball rolling to try and dislodge this. Right. But the third question is, um, what do you do? How do you act? What are you feeling when you believe that thought that God's going to, could possibly send you to hell? Mm. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm scared. I'm worried. Um, I don't, you know, I'm anxious, all the things. And then the last question, which I think is the one that really starts to set us free a little bit, is who would you be without that thought? Yeah. What would happen if you were, what would, like, who would you be and what would you be doing if you could, if you were incapable of thinking that thought that God was going to send you to hell? Yeah. What would your life be like? And do people and just light to, up? <laughs> most people look at me confused, mm. to be honest, because who am I without my fear? Who am I... Because it's one of those things where, like, if I don't right. have hell, then what did Jesus save me from? And if, what if, if Jesus didn't save me from anything, then what's the whole point? Exactly. You're like, welcome like, to that's, deconstruction. <laughs> hello. That's the yeah. question behind the question behind the question. Right. And people are so afraid. Like, they know secretly if they pull, they know that their their faith is a deck of cards stacked up in a very precarious house. Yep. And, like, if I, if I pull any one of those cards, whether it's labeled women or queer folks or black or, like, Black Lives Matter or or uh, the environment, or hell. You pull any one of those cards, the whole thing comes crashing down. And then we think we're going to get in trouble. Mm. It's like, no, you were like, a house of cards is simply that. It's, it's, a, it's a game. Yeah. And guess what? Like, you don't have to play this stupid game anymore if you don't want to. Yeah. The fear of hell. That's definitely something that, like, when I, I saw you posted about that recently. And that's... Mm-hmm. I think you even mentioned that the fear of hell is what it like What's what, what it's like there? to live in it. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just like tell me about hell. Well, it's eternal conscious torment and separation from God. I'm like, is there flames? Yeah. Like is there is your skin burning? Yeah, it's awful. I'm like you you must you're experiencing like as you're describing this to me, you are experiencing it. Right. In your head right now. Like that's why I think this is like the mind, like A Course in Miracles says that there are no idle thoughts mm. for what gives rise to an entire world can hardly be called idle. Yeah. And how often do we create hell in our minds 
Um, and not even like, uh, not even with just the thoughts of hell, but like when I, you know, when I, when I'm stuck in my anger towards the people that hurt me, that actually keeps me in hell too. Yeah. Uh, when I cannot, when I experience jealousy towards another person and I can't seem to shake it, you know, because I think I'm not good enough or I'm doing something wrong. Um, you know, when I talk shit to myself, like that's, that's hell. Right. And so what, you know, let the, so what I would love for me to do and what I try to do most often is like, let me, like, I ask myself, is that true? No. Well, then why am I believing it? And I quickly ask spirit. I'm like, what is true? Mm. And for me, like, what I hear every time is like, you are loved. You are wonderful. I'm with you. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, an, that's enough for me. Yeah. And even if those things in my mind, even if that's not the voice of God and it's just a thought I'm having, that thought, what does it do for me? It helps me to keep going. Yeah. It helps me to not, it helps me to not give up where I wanted to give up so often before. Hey everyone, want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode. Yeah. It's still divinity. Whether it's Hello, ding ding. Yeah. <gasps> Hello. What's the difference between you, me, and God? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if in the Bible even it's a voice in the head, in somebody's head whispering what... The, their true desires are what they really want and then what's the difference mm-hmm. i don't know i don't I, know. I really don't something else the course says is that happy is the one who realizes that the will of god is but their own Ooh. amen think about it god's will is but my own yeah that means like god wants me to be happy god uh-huh. wants me to have good sex exactly god wants me to enjoy the fruits of the earth yep yeah like, one of my, I feel like I bring this up in almost every episode now, but maybe not. Maybe it's just, I think I do. But my, my favorite verse is be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I say to myself. I tell be myself still and know. To be still and know that I mm. am God. Ooh, come on. Be still <laughs> and know it. I am. Exactly. <laughs> that part right there. Ooh, I got chills. Cause that right, th- ooh, that's my mantra. I'm gonna steal that from you. Hey, I mean, you do it. It's really like that's, that's it. That's the that's the deeper meaning right there. Yeah, like that's the thing that's staring us right in the face. That like, <sighs> what I mean, a powerful thought. I mean, what maybe a beautiful it is, idea. Be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just an exclamation after it. It's like that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's just very, very, like the dis- the distance between heaven and hell is often one thought. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, and then those of it, and then something I also, I also feel like I, I was thinking about this earlier and like wanting to acknowledge it is that for, I mean, like the people have like commented before, like the deconstruction space in these conversations, like aggressively white because white people need to reform themselves the most. So I'm not surprised that these conversations mm-hmm. like, um, are have a lot of white folks in them Mm. um because i think for us again like for me i'll just like i'll just name my privileges like i grew up in a pretty stable home i was able to get an education um i had access i've always had access to healthcare. um and then when i came out i did have people around me etc etc and 
there are so many folks who like, they're not like wanting to talk about the soul. They want to talk about how they're going to, you know, pay their electric bill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me that I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I, I wish that churches would actually see that if you want to impact the world around you for good, you have to meet people's physical needs first. Yeah. Before you talk to them about anything spiritual. Yeah. Um, because like, I don't want to sit and talk about somebody's chakras with them. If they're, you know, if they're depressed first, like let's work on right. self-esteem. Let's work on positive self-talk. Yeah. Let's learn to just, you know, love, love myself through my agony. Yeah. Right. Um, because like, it, the, like I, I love living up in the head. Mm-hmm. I love living in all these delicious ideas, but these delicious ideas do nothing if they're not actually embodied. Yeah. And if, you know, as I say, if it ain't, if it ain't good news for everybody, it's not good news for nobody. Yeah. So right. I'm, well, I think that's where my heart is also interested. My heart, God, that's where I'm also interested in exploring is creating the community practices and then organizing the community around helping the community. Yeah. Well, we were just talking with uh, the decolonized Christian just this last week, actually, about this very topic. And that I think the privilege, uh, being able to let go of God and let go of spirituality is a privilege. Because for a lot of people, mm-hmm. that's hope. Because there isn't a world. Their only hope, too. For, for people who are marginalized, the only hope is that there's something better out there. And there's somebody that actually cares about them and that actually cares for their needs. And and to to lose that, number one, I think to be able to lose that is, is in itself a privilege. But also I, I, I think there's also the other side of that coin that white evangelicalism is just all we're, all we're doing is putting it on social media. This kind of deconstructing of, of faith has been happening for eons mm-hmm. because there are always mm-hmm. going to be marginalized people that that's going to be weaponized against. And it's been happening in the black church and it's been happening in Hispanic communities that they, they already had to, break down the white Jesus complex. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, in, in, in some ways it's being co-opted by white evangelicalism in a way, but it's also, but it's also bringing a lot of things to the surface and bringing up a lot of conversations that are, I think, very necessary to have publicly. And there is Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, repentant nature that needs to come from people who have benefited from white evangelicalism. You better say my favorite word, repentance, mama. (laughs) But like, like that, that, that is it. Yes. Change your mind. Yes. I, do you, do you talk to people like one-on-one, like spiritual coaching one-on-one? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I've been doing that for through, I guess going on three years now. Okay. Um, currently I'm working on putting together my winter cohort. Hey. Um, so I'm working, I think, think I'll have about 23, 24 people in there mm. and we're going to work together for 90 days, um, wow. both in group work and one-to-one. Wow. Um, basically cause I'm just going to show people like my practices. Yeah. And I was like, listen, I don't want you to like my favorite thing to say is I don't want you to believe anything I tell you. Yeah. I want you to <laughs> test it out. See if it's true. Try it on. Yeah. Yeah. See if it works because I don't need you to believe me. I need you to, I, I don't need you to do anything. I just want you to experience the same love that I feel. Yeah, totally. Well, I just, I wasn't sure if you did the one-on-one stuff because I know you do, mm-hmm. um, you have a, you, you call it your online spiritual, which is crowded table. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. And that's, that is technically, that's like a, a Patreon setup, right? Mm-hmm. Or no? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's both like the Patreon community name that we kind of went with because based off of uh, the High Women song, mm-hmm. Crowded Table. Yes. Yes. And that for me is a perfect picture of spiritual community is I want a house with a crowded table with a place by the fire for everyone. Yep. Let's take like, and let's just do it together. Like, let's figure this out as we're going. Um, and it's also what I'm trying to do. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do a regular, a regular kind of live online service thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really I, like, I'm having trouble finding the difficult, like finding the time that most people are going to tune in at. Right. And it's like, I don't want to get in on Sunday morning. You know why? Because I go to church on Sunday morning right now. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. Um, uh, so we're, I'm working it out. One time I did it at 5 p.m. on a Saturday, and we had like 30 people show up. I'm like, maybe that's a, maybe that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, They're pregame yeah, before uh, they go out for drinks. Exactly. That's what I did in college. I yeah. went to church at 5 p.m. on a Saturday, went out with the boys afterward. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta collect yourself and give yourself a chance to to be present yeah. with yourself before you before you head out and uh, share all of that yeah. energy with everybody else. I had I had to go and repent of the sins I was going to commit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's I think that's cool. I it's an interesting, um, you know, it's interesting navigating the the true spiritual and helpful and hopeful and loving work that you do and I'm sure and also paying your bills mm-hmm. and I that, yeah. we don't need to like necessarily get into that but it's always a conversation that I love I do love having especially just like um in this community because it's like yeah you don't like, I don't know to be like, honest like I don't I don't feel that? weird I don't feel weird talking about money or I used to feel weird about it because uh, I think that a lot of us grew up in an environment where like your money didn't belong to you. Yeah. Your money belonged to God always. It was right. always God's money. Yeah. Um, and so a, I just think that we, um, I don't know, just, we learned how to abandon ourselves Yeah. and we learned how to sacrifice unto the point of pain because we think that's holiness. Right. Um, but love does not require sacrifice. Love requires love. Love already Love doesn't require anything. Right. You know, love yeah. is, period. Right. And so the way that I, I mean, I had to work on my mindset around it. And this, where I kind of landed was in this area is like, uh, my coach pointed this out to me. is like, Kevin, you already do a lot of free work. Yeah. And um, when I'm working with folks, I, I try to make it as, I, I do try to make it as accessible as possible. So yeah. like, that's my deal is like, I will work with anyone if you are willing to work with me. I will just figure it out. So most of like all of my uh, programs that I have are on a sliding scale. Uh, I do them in a really large extended 12 month payment plans with no interest because if the interest is unbiblical, <laughs> Oh, it's just like, let me tell you what I will be. It'll be a cold day in hell. It'll be a cold day in hell before I charge anybody interest on a loan. Um, it's, it's such a, it's such a gift to, to ask someone for mm-hmm. compensation back. Yeah. Because all that's saying to the world, especially in spaces that you create and mm-hmm. that we're tr- uh, trying to create here, is saying <laughs> that like, 
I, I want to be able to be so present. I want to be able to be as here for you as I possibly can. This is, this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do with my life. But I have to make this safe for me too. Yes. And that I think is what it comes down to is that like people, I think people are starting to catch the vision for it in, yeah. a, in, a, in big ways. It's like, it makes, it makes things exciting because I, can, I feel like I can see five years down the line at like, I mean, A, my growth and where I'm going to be. I'm fucking thrilled. And I'm also thinking about you two and like the community you're building here. And that is just going to grow exponentially. And it's not because, uh, I mean, A, we are good at what we do. But B, I really do think it's because y'all have a focus on serving your community. Mm. And something, again, my coach constantly points me back to is that if your heart is not in a place of actually serving your people, it will be evident. And then you probably won't succeed much after that. Yeah. Like we are like, our people are awake to the bullshit that we went through Yep, and are so, and and many times are so afraid of being duped again Mm. and being hurt again. And I'm like, this is like the definition of vulnerability is to go back and open up your heart again to, to the possibility of someone else faltering and hurting you. Yeah. Which like, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not saying we have to be perfect. Yeah, right. um, but I, I will say like, it is for me, there is no greater honor than someone trusting me to help them let go of their trauma and heal from that. Absolutely. Like, and, show and them that to journey. me, yes. Like, I don't know. Like I just, I have a, I'm a hopeful person, I guess. I, today, I feel very optimistic. You ask me in a week, I don't know what I'm going to feel. But <laughs> in this moment, in this here and now, I'm filled with such great expectation for what this, like this thing, this movement, whatever we're going to call it. Yeah. The next iteration of the church, the next evolution of the church. Yeah. It's going to, I think it could be really good. Yeah. And it's like, you know, whether we call ourselves Christians or not, whether like, I don't know. I don't really fucking care either. Right. But I do know that I'm just, it'll be good. It's it's always just like so good to, like I said, hear your uh, your take on spirituality because it's it's familiar to me and to, to us. Mm. And, um, and I know that like the listeners, our listeners, like they love you. Um, and yeah. I, mean, I can tell, I, I see like the followers, like who I recognize and them commenting on things yeah. and on your account and like, um, so I, you, you are doing good work and, um, I, uh, I adore y'all. Yeah. I'm so glad that we got to spend some more time. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. And, uh, if you haven't already booked a time on my end, I need y'all to do that so you can come on my podcast. Yes. yes. Yeah. We'll Please. definitely do that. Um, well, yeah, we have to chat again and I, for everyone who's listening, please just mm-hmm. go check out Kevin. You will love them. Um, they've got all kinds of good work and their spiritual online um their courses and the online spiritual crowded table mm. check kevin out you won't be disappointed mm. uh we love Come you on all and love y'all thank you for listening and until next time bye, bye.